This podcast may contain f***ing swears that from this point on will not be f***ing bleeped. What the world needs now is another podcast from a couple of middle-aged fools. Hello and welcome to Something Out of Nothing, a podcast exploring the nature of creativity. Attempting to discover what, if anything, creatives in different fields have in common. To do this, two friends with inquiring minds and a propensity to wang on at each other about creative stuff decided the best way would be to talk to other creatives and see if we can tease their secrets from them. He's Simon White, a writer and advertising type. And he is Neil Smith, an illustrator and graphic designer. So here we are on the golf course, Simon, doing a bit of lockdown golf. Uh, Could have been tennis, but... uh, Don't play tennis. Don't play tennis. No. Um, This is... um, I think there's a good argument to say that this uh, is the the birthplace of uh, something out of nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, You and I will play nine holes of golf up here pretty regularly uh, and wang on about films we've seen... Uh, books we've read. Mm. Uh, this is Wang on Central. <laughs> Wang HQ. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, dear. The only thing, Simon, I'm worried about is alienating our listener. Listeners? Uh, I'm, I'm, I think there's two. Okay. Uh, by saying that we're playing golf because... A lot of people think golf is awful. Uh, they do. And, and, and more to the point, golfers. Yes, golfers. But, mm. you know, uh, I mean, Donald Trump doesn't help, does he? He doesn't help anything. No, but he least of all, well, no, not least of all, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> definitely not least of all, no. the image of golfers. No, that, I mean he's not. He's not doing them any favours. He's, he's a cheaty golfer. There's worse things he's doing. That's true. Yeah, but he is also a cheaty golfer. Yes, he's an awful, awful man. He's an awful I don't think we want this. Book. I don't think we want to be talking about <laughs> no. that. <on> the show. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I think this. I'm is just trying. I'm just helpful. trying to say that even though we play golf, you know, it doesn't make us bad people. Exactly. Don't judge us. Don't on judge the golf. us. Judges on the quality of the whiffles. That's right. But if there's any golf brands out there who want to sponsor this podcast, then obviously judges on the golf. Judges. Oh, who's oh. with those? Is that yours? Yeah, that's mine. Fool. Yeah, that's my golf clubs falling over. In this is a, this is a high wind. Yeah. We were up here last week in shorts and it was too hot. Yeah. And now uh, we're in many layers and a woolly hat and it's too cold. Yes, rubbish. England. Yes, indeed. Um, but um, so here we are introducing the introduction to episode two. Episode two, yeah. So this happened um, over six months ago. This was recorded before Christmas in 2019. And we didn't know what we were doing. If we don't know what we're doing generally, we definitely didn't at this point. No, that's true. one of the earliest things we recorded. Yeah. And there's lots and it, of little rookie errors. Yes, yeah, splendidly chock full of rookie errors. Uh, you can keep a, why don't you keep a tally? Yeah. I don't know, something uh, to do. We'll be holding a quiz on them later. <laughs> uh, but one of the, one of the uh, rookie errors we made was allowing a very cute dog uh, to be present during the recording yeah. and we somewhat pay for it with lots of doggy noises throughout but I don't know we're going to try and turn that into a positive by posting uh, some lovely pictures cute, of cute puppies pictures of puppies because on because Andy who owns Joey is uh, as you'll find out is also a photographer and takes wonderful pictures of his dog oh excellent yeah we, there's, there's no shortage of those great stuff well that's <laughs> that's excellent news what, what gets most uh, retweets is it, is it do we need a video of a puppy probably need some cats ah hmm hmm oh, well next well, time next time mm. next time 
Um, uh, so anyway, this uh, we're going to segue now into the museum uh, where there's a very different collection of sounds because it's uh, a museum, obviously, when back when museums were allowed. That's right. And it's like uh, quiet and hushed uh, as opposed to windy and near trees. Indeed. So, yes, episode two. Shot boy. It's a bit of a bullet. We're here today at the um, Salisbury Museum. Yeah, that's right. We're at the. Um, that's why we're speaking in such hushed tones. Yeah, we've got to speak in hushed tones. We've got to be um, going to be on best behaviour. Yeah. Um, so we're 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 here at the Drawing Prize 2019. Trinity Boy Wharf is the sponsor's name. Championing and celebrating the role of drawings in creative endeavour. Which, uh, which is not to be sniffed at. No, indeed. And it is, by all accounts, a world-class exhibition of drawing in all of its forms. Um, it's pretty cool, isn't it? It's really lovely. Um, I think this is on, this is on tour. I think, it's, I think it's been exhibited in, in London at, um, at the Trinity, Trinity Boy Wharf. Um, astonishingly enough. Yeah, we've learned something already. We had a good chat with a communications uh, officer here who's telling us all about it. Um, and did we actually asked permission. Yeah, we did ask permission. To be talking. By the book, Simon. It's nothing. I'd like to think we're a couple of uh, guerrilla podcasters. Yeah, I'm more yeah. of a uh, ask forgiveness, not permission kind of guy, but <laughs> Neil likes to play by the rules. No, I'm totally by the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, today we've got a little chat with. Uh, Andy Potter, who's a filmmaker, uh, editor, cameraman, uh, producer type. Full disclosure, I know Andy quite well. Uh, we work together occasionally. Um, I'd never met him before, though. No. And I certainly never met his small puppy, Joey. No. Who was raving mad. Slightly force, force of nature. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, me and Andy met uh, at an agency where he was head of film and I was freelancing, writing some concepts and stuff, and he ended up... Um, shooting a script that I wrote and we worked together on that and hit it off and uh, then a little bit later on when I needed some stuff filmed for another client got Andy involved and we've worked together on a few things since then he's a he's a good guy he's um you know it's one of those one of the great things about being freelance is you get to work with people you like and rate you know those sort of Venn diagrams yeah. of people yeah. who are good and people who are who you get on with covered a bit of that in the chat I actually. think we did a bit yeah I, I think I, I wonder if I wonder if film lends itself to those kind of overlaps and people using the same people over and over again for different it projects. seems to, doesn't it? Um, At every level, you, you know, even sort of Hollywood boys have, um, yeah, have their crews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. People you can rely on. Yeah. Um, but we covered, uh, we covered a good range, actually, in, the, in, our, in our chat. We talked about the importance of people skills, which it turns out are super crucial to... Andy's line of work, I think. Yeah, very definitely. Um, we chatted about imposter syndrome. Did a bit. Um, I think that's going to come up again. Oh, no doubt. Yes. Um, what else did we talk? Oh, I loved that. We, we, we had a good chat about the importance of um, sort of feedback and actually being able yeah. to see the whites of the client's eyes while you're... presenting, yeah. Yeah, and presenting. Yeah, absolutely. And that was great. Um, and we also got into a bit of, you know, problem solving. A lot of problem solving involved in Andy's brand of creativity um, but it was great to meet him he's so personable and I really really enjoyed our he's chat. deeply into what he does as well which is always interesting yeah definitely you, you can tell people who love what they do for sure really passionate and I think that uh, 
that, that, that really comes across in the chat, actually. Yeah. Um, also, malted milks and hedgehogs. Make an appearance. Yeah, quite strange, but I like it. Yeah, man. So um, we're going to wander around this museum and um, we'll leave you with Andy and we'll be back after that. See you then. A lot of the work we do is, is, is corporate films and we do a lot of case studies. So um, the thing I like about case studies in particular is that you do have to think on your feet. So something. So another thing we shoot is ads, for example, where... Mm you'll tend to pay for a location you'll recce it you'll yeah. you'll be you'll have control over the environment so you can increase or decrease the lighting or whatever it is that you need to do sound yeah. will be good all that sort of stuff um but with case studies quite often you're going to um it could be a factory or um one example that springs to mind we did a, a case study um for a well-known British telecoms agency, um, who, yeah, say that. Yeah, who recently uh, had a logo, uh, controversial logo redesign. Yeah. <laughs> British, who, um, <laughs> British <laughs> company. Um, and we, it was in Belgium, it was in the port of Brussels, and um, I flew over there some weeks before to, to go and do a recce, um, and you know we sort of got driven around in a yeah. in um, in a jeep or whatever, and they showed us all the different places we could film. Wonderful, great. Um, when we then returned five weeks later to go and do the filming, there was a massive snowstorm. No way. And so actually all of those areas that we wanted to film in were not available to us because of the weather or, you know, whatever it may be. And, and it suddenly became one of those instances where, right, we need to make some very, very quick decisions. We had one day on site, one wow. day on site. Yeah. And the, the place was huge. I mean, Brussels Port, who'd have known? It's massive, absolutely huge. And so... You know, we, we adapted and overcame. We sort of, you know, we split into three teams and we, we, we got what we needed. Um, but it was very much thinking on your feet. What did you do? Well, so the one of the shots we were quite keen to get was, so perhaps if I explain a little bit about the job. So, yeah. the, so the job was um, highlighting some of the technology that BT had enabled said the word there. Yeah. Um, Other telecoms agencies are available. <laughs> for for this particular port, which was um, mesh Wi-Fi, essentially. So... Um, Long story short, mesh Wi-Fi um, enables a signal to be boosted over a very wide area. So yeah. when you think of a container port, for example, a lot of that will be um, automated. So they will, so the crane drivers, for example, will know exactly what container to get off the ship at what time and where that, that container is then going. Yeah. And so that's all controlled over the internet. Um, and so... That basically then means that you can't have any black spots in your Wi-Fi signal. So if you think about a traditional Wi-Fi, you've got a certain range and then that's it. Yeah. What a mesh Wi-Fi does is it repeats the signal then around the port by having little dongles around. Um, and those dongles are on the sides of cranes, they're on the sides of containers. And, yeah. and containers in particular, you know, they, they will just kill Wi-Fi because they're metal right. and, and they're corrugated. So... That, 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 you know, so this all sounds pleasingly industrial. It's all very industrial, yes. And so, obviously, what we, the, the shot we wanted to get was up in the cab with with the crane drivers, and these these yeah, are amazing. these big sort of That's long. Insane. I, I, I seem to remember getting pictures back of you with a little fisheye thing, sort of clinging onto the edge of a very long craney thing. Yes, so magic arming a camera behind so, your head. So on the recce. Um, you know, I, I, I said to the client, you know, look, one of the things we need to do is we need to get up in the crane. We need to see the cab driver's view. We need to see what the, the information that uh, they are getting, him or her is getting yeah. in the cab. Um, and then them going about their daily business. Um, and so the question was, can I get up in the crane? Can we get up in the crane? Yeah. And, and to what capacity? The answer was, no, you can't be up in the crane whilst it's driving. But you can go up in the crane and leave a remote camera. Fine, not a problem. So... 
we arrive on site. Um, it's really snowing and it's like proper snow, proper snowing. Yeah. Um, and so I Would you describe remember. it as a blizzard? I'd go blizzard. I'd go blizzard. Gosh. Yeah. White out. White out. So I think these cranes, I think they're about 60 metres tall. So I had to climb up a ladder yeah. um, to get into the cab um, and set up the remote camera. Um, I had 10 minutes to do so, which is the time where the crane comes in and they, there's a, a shift change, basically. Yeah. Um, and we only had access to the crane whilst it was in, in that facility yeah. before it went out again. So you've got 10 minutes to climb up, set up the camera, climb back down and then let the driver do his thing. Yeah. Um, and so no amount of wrecking is going to is going to sort of get you into that mindset of, right, OK, th- I, I've never climbed up a crane before. I don't yeah. know what that looks like. You yeah. know? Um, and so, yeah, thinking on your feet, I think yeah. going back to, back to your original point and then. Um, I guess you couldn't really afford to get up so. to that crane cab and think, oh, I wish I had one of those with me now. <laughs> well, there was that. So basically it, the, the the ladder itself had a surround um, you know, like a, a, black, a back plate to it, yeah. if you will, to stop so you falling out. Falling out. Yeah. Yeah. So it meant that I couldn't carry a bag. So I had to sling a bag over my front with with what I thought was going to be the right equipment for the job. Several different clamps, a couple of different cameras. There was a GoPro yeah. um, and a slightly larger camera with a few different lenses. And that was basically all I could carry. And I knew that I didn't have time to go to the cab, back down, and then to the cab again. So I had a, it was a one-shot wonder, basically. Yeah, amazing. Um, and so you pack what you think you need. <clears throat> and I had forgotten power. So I'd had, I got the cable for the power, but I didn't have the external power to, to plug the camera in. Um, but luckily it did last for the, for the duration of the shift and we got the footage we needed. But, mm. it, but, but there's, there's the, those moments in life where you just think, you idiot. You know? yeah, but, yeah. But, when, but when you are thinking on your feet, inevitably sometimes you do make rush decisions and you do make mistakes. Tell me about... Video making 101. What is the rookie? What's the rookie error? The rookie error in video making. I would say, you know, the thinking that you can do it yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, is is quite often a mistake. So if I think to myself, I, I, I can do this. I've got this. I've got this. Uh, I've got what, a camcorder. What, what, what is? Yeah, I've got my. Yeah, I've got <laughs> a camcorder. Uh, what is my first mistake? First mistake, almost definitely, invariably, is audio. So okay. people massively underestimate audio. Yeah. Um, it's probably more important than visuals. Yeah. I, 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 there is a famous quote. I can't tell you who 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 said it, but it, but it was, you know, audio is is half the picture, which is absolutely true. Oh, hello, yes, it's Professor Phil Fact here, uh, Professor of uh, Factualizationalism and um, Chief Factologist at the University of Waffle and Wang. Uh, let's just verify that. Yes, that's correct. I am here to verify or rectify any fact or statement purporting to be a fact within this waffle. I, 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 there is a famous quote. I can't tell you who 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 said it, but it but it was, you know, audio is is half the picture. Rather splendidly, this quote comes from none other than George Lucas. This is splendid for ironic purposes because of what Andy says slightly later. I haven't seen Star Wars, but watching films like that—it's astonishing. I know that is astonishing, isn't it? Sound is half the picture, said by George Lucas. Thank you. Carry on. You know, audio is, is half the picture, which is absolutely true. Oh, wow. But but there there have been studies where um, they've looked at, um, you know, they put content in front of audiences um, and they've shown them um, 
sort of bad visuals with good audio yeah. and then the other way around. Amazing. And they found that most audiences basically will will switch off if they Isn't can't hear what they say. I suppose yeah. I automatically think, well, you know, your your medium is so visual. It's visual. all about visual. Mm. Uh, and as long as the as long as the sound quality is, you know, fine. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then then it doesn't then it doesn't really matter. But but not true at all. No, not true at all. And in fact we get um quite a bit of sort of content sent to us that's recorded on mobile phones and things yeah. like that. And yeah, people say, Oh, can you is there anything you can do with this? Yeah. You know, and, and almost always, um, you know, the, the, the quality of for example, something that's shot on an iPhone, mm. you know, all four K and all that sort of stuff, yeah. wonderful. Um and provided you get some basic lighting um right yeah. then it's fine but it's quite often the audio that's the, oh, really? the bit that lets it down so that feels like um i mean you, you, your i think your creative work is so bound up with technology mm. and 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 the kit you're using mm. and just having spent you know half an hour with you now you know you, you really know your kit and you know it's essential for you isn't it kind of is yeah i think i i, I feel like um most certainly most of the people i know in the industry are uh, kit mad i think yeah. gearheads gearheads yeah <laughs> quite techy you know a lot of it is quite technical knowing your frame rates and your resolutions and you know your codecs and all yeah. this sort of stuff when you first start because i come from a stills background um so by stills you mean photography photography so yeah yes sorry no that's okay snappers as we call them mm. snappers um so and 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 that was relatively easy to get your head around obviously yeah. it seemed like it at the time but then when i transitioned to video and i just remember you know thinking about you know shutter angles and frame rates and and i just thought this is just nuts i'm never yeah. ever going to know all this i'm yeah. never going to know it i'm curious about sort of taking apart your creativity is it possible to separate your craft and your creative spirit is it possible to separate that from the technology or is it a case that the medium is the message and it's all just intermeshed and and yeah i guess i guess the the for me you know i always look at you know racks of equipment and bags that i take on shoots and i just think you know really this is they are tools of the trade yeah sure you know, they don't define the film that you could make yes if you, you know i i often in my early days used to say, right, I would take out, this is, again, going back to the stills days, one lens, one camera, and that was all I was allowed to shoot with. Yeah. Um, and I would give myself those limitations purely to, to just to see how I could work around them. And I always feel like even if you have all the fancy kit, there's still workarounds. There's always workarounds. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how much kit you take on shoot, there's always going to be... Uh, the fact that you might have left something behind, you have to gaffer tape something together, yeah, or yeah. always um, have a gaffer or you you know there was that perfect lens that you didn't want to put in the bag that you actually th- you feel would be perfect for the shoot, so you work around it in a different way. Um, I don't, I guess, in answer to your question, you, I don't think you should be um, limited by your kit, um, or the other way around that you yeah. should feel that your kit is somehow compensating for for just poor filmmaking um but they are all tools and 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 it, and it can be hard sometimes to to sort of uh, differentiate between you know do i do i need that piece of equipment or do i want it yeah um and obviously being a bit sort of a, a, a bit of a gearhead quite often it's a want yeah for sure um and it is you know it's, it's a massively expensive um career to get into if you are yeah, investing in i can the believe kit. that um, i i love what you're saying about uh, the workarounds how how when you go on a when you go on a shoot 
it doesn't matter how big your bag of stuff. Yeah. There'll always be something. There'll always be something that you haven't foreseen, that you haven't planned for. Yeah, that's great. You need to work around. And it actually reminds me of, uh, so uh, I had a, I had a loft extension done a few years ago and because I'm freelance and working at home, uh, I, I found myself in a corner of my house working while I was surrounded by all of their builders who were doing their work. Uh, and it gave me this amazing insight into how creative builders were because mm. I'd be overhearing their conversations. And for all of their, all of the plans and all the kit and all their stuff, there were endless conversations around problems. Mm. And you'd hear three guys trying to figure out how to solve this problem yeah. without, you know, going to get this, that and the other or, 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 or simply just having to come up with a really creative solution. Mm. Uh, do you feel like that's part of the creativity yeah. of your job? Yeah, problem solving is a huge thing. And I, I actually feel like the, some of the best filmmakers I've worked with, um, you know, be it gaffers or cameramen or, or whatever, are those people who can think on their feet yeah. and, and kind of work around a problem. It doesn't necessarily have to be associated with technology. Yeah, um, It could just be that, you know, um, there's a location that doesn't work for whatever reason. Yeah. <clears throat> And it's how how can we get around that? How can we block light through a window very yeah. quickly? Yeah. Um, inevitably, with these things, um, there's always a restriction on time. Always, always, always a restriction on time. Yeah. Okay. You know, as much as you think that three days on location is enough time, yeah, you actually find you needed two weeks on location. Yeah. I don't like um, it, with case studies. I don't like things to be too scripted. There might be certain points that we want to hit. Yeah. Um, but actually, I I feel like the more frank and honest the the interview, the better. I was going to say, I would say one of the case studies. Yes, one of the most creative things you do, I think, is um, tease out of people who are scared. Mm. Not, I'm not scared. Not you know, not in fear of their life or anything, but um, nervous and anxious about being on camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is incredible how. Um, a, a camera will just shut people up. Yes. You stick a camera up somebody's nose and they've suddenly got nothing to say. Yeah. yeah. And Andy's very good at, um, just part of the creative process is, is okay, get that get the story out of them and make them sound relaxed even when they're yeah. not. Yes, that's it does, very true. It does change yes, it the does. way people Yeah, react. quite, you know, nine times out of ten, I would say, you know, we, you'll be chatting someone over the water cooler before we start filming. You know, we'll have the, the kit already set up in the designated interview room. Um, and they'll be, you know quite happy to chat away um and then as soon as you sit them down it they they, they clamp down a bit yeah um i think going back to simon's point the, the way around that and to get a genuine performance and therefore a genuine case study in this instance is to chat to the person as much as possible beforehand yeah. about anything other than the interview or you know the subject or whatever it might be so, you know, you commute to work, what they had to breakfast, you know, anything, anything really, you know, tend to be sort of happy things. We've got any children, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, ask lots of questions. Is that Get happy for you, walk. Simon, having children? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe avoid the children subject. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when they go into the room, then they're, they're slightly warmer. And then still at that point, we won't, um, we'll be rolling on the cameras, but we certainly wouldn't tell them that we were rolling on cameras. And, yeah. and we'll continue that chat to get them you know, used to the new environment with the yeah. lights and the cameras and the cables and all that other stuff and the people staring at them. Um, and only when I think they're ready yeah. will we then start to move on to the, um, you know, the questioning. Neil and Simon, Neil and Simon, what a pair of twats. Riding on the coattails of people who have talent. They are not afraid to look like a desperate double act. Neil and Simon, Neil and Simon, what a pair of twats. I still think there's quite a lot of 
um, creativity and a lot of creative decisions you're making during the production stage. You know, how do you get the right light? Where do you get the? Where are we going to shoot this from? All that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. All mm-hmm. those those little things that you might not have thought about before you get there. No, yes, there is. There is almost a separate um, sort of suite of decisions that need to be make need to be made on set. Lens choice, for example, how you're going to light something. Um, you know, whether you're going to have sort of a handheld camera moved style or is it going to be very much sort of locked off yeah. um, on a tripod, that sort of thing, you know, is, is very much a sort of stylistic decision, which we can start thinking about um, in pre-production and certainly things like stylized decisions should be made, you know, but when it comes to, I don't know, for example, lens choice, you, you just might not know until yeah. you get on mm. set exactly what sort of lens you're going to use. But you definitely will have a look in mind, you know, yeah. whether it's... So yeah. taking this this question to its next level, do you think you have a style visually? I think with certain things, yes. I think I have a, what I call a formula, which which I apply, which, which um, and that's without sounding like I do the same thing every time, which of course I don't. No, of course. Um, but, I, but I do have a certain, you know, yeah. I have a, um, a bag full of tricks, as it were, where I think, you know, do you know what, we could do this and we could do that. And that's all based on, on past experiences. But that's not to say that I don't occasionally think, do you know what, let's do something completely different. Let's go with a, you know, a jib shot or a top-down shot or whatever it might be. Let's, are there, there really... recognisable tropes in your stuff, though? That you... I think certainly within yeah. my interview lighting, I've got a very much a... Um, a style that I like to light my interviews with, for and, example. And who did you steal it from? Yeah, no, well, that's very true. Yeah, yeah, well, to be honest, it's nothing particularly flashy. It's very much yeah. just a sort of two or three point lighting, which, which you know, is is commonly known. We're in a fun area now, though. So are, are there uh, people, uh, filmmakers or photographers or anybody really who you've you've looked at style wise and thought, oh, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna have some of that. Yeah, I think there's certain ones that I look towards that I think, yeah, no, I like, you know, the, the way you grade your footage or the way you like your interviews or the way that you, um, you know, perhaps you edit your films, whatever it might be. I think I, there's no one filmmaker that I think, right, I just want to be you. You've magpied it. I think, yeah, I think I've magpied, definitely. Um, I, th- I mean, don't don't we all? I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, of course. I'm, I'm a great magpie for, yeah. and, and forever, forever looking around for... You know, if, if I see something I like, I, oh I think God, the best have, creatives have, do, don't they? I think, yeah, you, I think should, you should always have your eyes yeah, on the horizon think, and seeing what's yeah, coming. Yeah, Bo said the only art I'm interested in is the art I can steal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I think to to try and be sort of quote original with 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 films is very difficult. Yeah. I think, especially in the corporate world, where you know, there's it's a genre, isn't it? It's a genre, but it's 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 like if you go a little bit too wacky, you know, it's it you're then perhaps not becoming sellable you know you've got to be commercially viable as much as you'd love to run around and make you know sort of art films all the time which would be great but that doesn't pay the bills so from for me i I know the lens flare yeah that sort of thing (laughs) but but then but then there's no harm and i've always been one for being quite brave and you know if if i can get away with a cheeky lens flare or uh (laughs) you know uh (laughs) sorry for the uninitiated so a lens flare what what, what is a lens flare? sure sure and 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 how is it cheeky (laughs) So, so a lens flare is where the light source will will shine into the lens, as it were. So, uh, if you've ever tried to take a a, a picture yeah. on a sunny day, for example, and you get those little orbs, those light yeah, things, beautiful. those blue circles. Um, Simon, help me out here. Who's the director that loves a lens flare? JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams. Yeah. So, so it, and and so it's, it's something warm and magical about it. Yeah, yeah. potentially. Although in in the case of JJ Abrams, they're normally blue, aren't they? Which is quite weird. Usually, and, and yeah. he shoots with an, anamorphic lenses, which means that they're not round. They're more. Um, 
Ovoid. Ovoid, yeah. Mm. But we'll, we'll not get into that because no. that's a whole different podcast. But they, they tend to be... They're there purely for um, aesthetics because they look cool. Mm. Um, and they might punctuate certain moments. You can now. There's effects. You can stick them on. Of course, yeah, you can. But I think that's a bit cheesy. But yeah, you can, you, can, you can download effects and put them onto any old boring footage. I think that's, you know, certainly with the new wave of filmmakers and photographers, there's very much a, you know, we just cheat it and post type mentality coming along now. Yeah. You can take a picture on a quite a dull day from a drone and pop a lens flare on there and suddenly it's okay. Okay, you job know? done. And it's always a bit sort of, you know... It, I try not to be too sceptical with these things, but you do, you do tend to think, well, that's just kind of cheating, really. You know, that's, you know, if it's a dull day, make it a dull day. Make it, make it, yeah, you know, go, it. go with the yeah, yeah. with the weakness and, and make it a gritty scene rather than a, you know, we're in California scene. It's just, yeah. I don't so know. So that, that, that's the kind of thing I was meaning before. That's I kind suppose. of truth, isn't it? That's, isn't that yeah. you trying to... Yeah, try, I know. To, I think that's And also the those sort of decisions where you have to, where you have to be spontaneous about, yeah. okay, we've got, to, we've got to take what we've got and make it sing as much as we can. Just go back to that Brussels container port, you know, where, where yeah. suddenly we didn't have the light we wanted. We'd kind of planned is Brussels, right? I mean, you, you're not going to be suddenly have golden light, but yeah. But you know, it's very much. It was Antwerp, not Brussels. I don't even want to say on Brussels anyway. Um, it's Brussels you know, now. You're not it's Brussels now. There isn't a container <laughs> port in Brussels. Brussels to me. There, there, there isn't. We we'll always have Brussels. <laughs> But you know, it's 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 central Europe. You're not gonna you're not gonna have nice light, probably. You know, so you plan for the worst. And I don't think any of us in the crew could have planned for a, a full on blizzard. It came out of nowhere. But in a way, I, I bet all three of us. When you you described it really beautifully, and I, I could see it in my head straight away. You know, it felt mm. wow, industrial snow. God, well, this sounds amazing. We just, ran. We ran. That sounds with like it. in a way, sounds like a bit of a bit of a dream. Do you know what? It actually worked to our advantage. So although you know, we sort of wrapped up in in. In, in clothes and, and headed up there to get some shots. And do you know what? I thought, I thought to myself, this kind of works because it shows that even in the harshest environments that this technology can mm. work, you know, mm. and it, and it can prevail. Nice so message. it actually worked to our advantage. Yeah. Um, you know, that we, yes, of course, in our heads, we were thinking, get a lovely sunrise and get all the ships coming in to be unloaded and all that yeah. stuff. Do you know what? It didn't matter. It made it, I think, better. Andy's brought Joe with him. Good boy. What's that? <laughs> what is Hi it? Hi, Joe. Welcome to the dog yeah. cast. Oh, come you, on. Uh, this, Make it nice. Say this hello. This beautiful dog has very much hijacked our podcast, hasn't he? He has, unfortunately. He's um, it's it, yeah. He's, the trouble is, like, he's so adorable. Yes, that so is it's the hard issue. To, it's hard to begrudge him. What I need to do, obviously he's very young, but what I need to do is train him up to um, to haul gear bags or, or... Also just to be to one of those dogs who just walks around at your heel, being really useful and... Just, yeah. Go and get me a him super clamp. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he could bring John, things. Gaffer, yes, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, we're starting to do that a bit with his toys now. We have names for his toys and we, we're, we get him to select certain toys and bring them over to us. So maybe that's the start of yeah, that's of him being more useful on set. But um but but in post production he will he will sit in the office with me and occasionally I um I talk to him, which is I, I think potentially a sign of madness. Yeah, it's fine. It's um, okay. I mean, it's, is that is that is that better than talking to yourself? I mean, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's one I, step up from talking to yourself. Well, isn't it, I mean, really? I, I work at home and you know yeah, often I by myself. I do same. Do yeah. a fair bit of talking to myself. Yeah, do you, do you get a dog. A hey? Get a dog. Honestly, yeah. you swear sort of a lot to it. I tend to swear my, at myself an awful lot. Do you? What? Yeah. What? When? What? Just. Give Just me an example. Whenever, and anything's of it's going wrong or not going as well as I thought, or if um, 
if I'm procrastinating wildly, which mm. I do a lot of, yeah. then I will sort of berate myself in really quite um, harshly. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. I say, I say, I often, I'm a pro- procrastinator. Mm. Um, is that a creative? I, that's a creative thing, isn't it? I uh, think. it probably. Well, I'd be, I'd be amazed no, if I'm loath to. I'm loath to rule out the rest of the uh, rest of the professions in the world from procrastination. <laughs> I expect it's just a human thing. But, yeah. But certainly, I found myself saying, Neil. Do your job. Mm. Yeah. So I'll no. do that. Stop hanging and washing out. Stop. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. Do your do your flipping job. <laughs> I would say having a dog basically is is a double edged sword because it, it does give you something to talk to. Yeah. Um, and it gives you excuses to, to occasionally put down your work and, and go for a bit of a walk, which yeah, clears the head, but that just good. does wonders. Oh, now you see that. But that's a great universal thing, I think. A bit of perspective on your work yeah, is great. Yeah. And dog walking. Well, I used, I used to so I used to run a lot. Uh, okay. Before my knees went bad. Yeah. And I would, uh, I, I was, I was running a lot ahead of um, a talk I had to give. It was the first time I'd done a wow. big talk at Edinburgh University, and gosh, oh, I know, <laughs> clang. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but but I, I at the time I was doing a lot of running, and the, I would just come home from like a ten k run mm. and just scribble, 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 yeah, scribble, yeah, scribble, yeah. scribble, scribble. Yeah. All all of these ideas that I'd had while I was out and about. Yeah, just. It was just yeah, incredible. Running, running is incredible for the mind. You're a runner. It's not very. Good. Yeah, I'm a runner. Yeah, so it's not. It's not very good for your, particularly for me because I'm quite tall. So it's not very good for my knees or hips oh. or just. It just. I don't think running on the road is very good for you. But um, last night, for example, I was. I'd been working on an edit all day. It was a very difficult. Um, Thank you, Joe. Lots of moving parts um, in this particular edit. Um, yeah. And I, I sort of down tools at about half past three, went for a, a little 7K run along the beach with Joey Beautiful. trotting alongside, came back and felt so much more refreshed. Yeah. And also just looked at my timeline and thought, what the hell is it? What, were, yeah. what was I thinking? Yeah. You know, yeah. bin it off and start again yeah. type scenario. But no, really? Yeah, it was a little bit. There was a couple of like shots that I'd, I'd put in. I just thought, what, what is this? This is nothing. You know, it's, mm. it's like... It, it, I, my mind had become too muddy and well, then that's I, I, I cleared yeah, yeah. yeah running, Simon. running is fantastic running in particular um, a walk will do it but a run will do it much quicker I yeah, think I, yeah. agree, I agree with you there I, rem- I remember Simon saying to me you know you, you have a that you have a rule when you're writing is you, you have to print it out and leave it overnight and if it's still overnight test if it's still definitely. if it still reads well I have the, the overnight test as well yeah, yeah. so I, I render out a everything. film and, and I leave it <laughs> I export <laughs> it to my phone and then the next day, the first thing I'll do when I wake up is, is watch the film back. And if I still like it, then it goes to the client. Excellent, if I yeah. don't, then we so start. I, I have I print out art, artwork, and if I can, I leave it lying around for two or three days. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and by the end of two or three days, it's covered in doodles and squiggles and yeah, yeah. yeah I like used to get rings. I used to get very <laughs> yes. cross with uh, jobs where you didn't have that luxury. So that the especially in advertising, marketing, and stuff that people want stuff turned around very, very, very quickly. Yeah. Mm. And you don't have time to. Decide for yourself yeah. if you think it's any good before yes. you've got to send it off. Yeah. Yes, that's yes. horrible. Yeah, that I think horrible. I think that I don't know about you guys. That happens more and more nowadays. Yeah. I, I tend to find that it's, you know things are needed yesterday. Any chance we can have yeah, that definitely. this afternoon. Yeah, can we have that back this afternoon? And you think, wow. I mean, it's uh, is that part of um, is that a good idea? No, but is, yeah. that, is that just modern day life? Is it that people expect things immediately nowadays? Well, well, is that Simon, like, who's the Who's the advertising guru whose book I own, whose name I can never remember? Uh, is it Paul Arden? Paul Arden, yeah. Is that the, you're only as good as you think you are? Yeah. So Paul Arden has a, do you know Paul Arden? No. He's um, a, one of these superstar advertising guys who wrote loads of books because he was so famous and so successful. Mm-hmm. And he has a thing about 
that frustratingly he finds his clients don't want exceptional. They're pretty happy with mediocre. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and actually... Mediocre but quick. Mediocre and quick yeah. will do, it's, it's actually. Fine. Yes, yeah. Um, whereas, whereas that is not... You know, if, if I want to do good work for you, mm-hmm. I need to leave this lying around for two or three days. I need to cover it in yeah, doodles. Yeah, there's a whole sort of like, well, if I'm going to put my name to this, then I kind of want to be able to mull it over a bit. But, there, but then uh, Simon and I were having this discussion yesterday on the phone. There's a, ver- there's a big difference between you know, having the creative breathing space and just procrastinating and actually yeah, sure. taking four days for something that you could yeah, do. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know. A good I, deadline always. Yes, you know, I think we're, we're quite similar in that respect in, in that um, a, a deadline means that you'll get on with it and you might complain about it being a ridiculous deadline. How can you possibly do it this quickly? But if you haven't got one, it will take you twice as long. Yeah. Mm. You started off in photography where you were very much in control of your composition. Mm. Um, moving to video where actually you've got to embrace the fact that you're working with other people. Mm-hmm. People are going to do things you don't really want them to do. Mm. Has it made you less of a control freak about your work? Um, the, probably the, 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 the op- difference between a photograph where you're in total control of the composition and not a video always, where not you're... Not always, no. I think I don't, I don't think um, with stills that you're suddenly more in control. Um, it obviously depends on what you're shooting. One of the things that I um, used to shoot a lot of was headshots, for example. Headshots? You know, headshots. Headshots. That's a fabulous that, wow. angle. That, that is that niche, is a, man. That is a career that I oh, definitely want to get into. Know. Who doesn't love a hedgehog? Well, I love I'm, hedgehogs. De- I'm gonna, they, they will headshots from now on. I will always refer to <laughs> as, as hedgehogs. <laughs> okay, so I used to photograph hedgehogs quite a lot. Um, and the trouble is with those, it's they're very spiky. Very spiky. <laughs> so spiky, yeah. yeah. So you and, couldn't get them in position. Yeah, you couldn't get them to sit right. It was just a nightmare. Yeah, sure. So and, I gave and hard that to communicate up. with. So I gave that up and I started shooting headshots. Okay. Which are, yeah, so portraits, for you know people's websites that sort of thing um quite often you know it's a bit boring if we're honest you know white background smile you know is the tie done up that sort of thing um and so in that instance for example you have plenty of control in your composition you know you can you can really sort of uh you you can really you know you can have control over where people look and all that sort of thing um but then there was the sort of the more um I sort of took it from the white background and started to do more things with people sat at their desks. And then that gave me loads more creative freedom in terms of how we'd, how I'd like things. So just by moving that person, maybe sitting them down behind a desk and then putting some really nice lighting in, taking a lot of rubbish off their desks, suddenly that sort of normal corporate headshot that you would expect to see was a little bit more creative and yeah, it was a bit different. richer scene. Yeah, and I think that was one of the, um, going back to one of your original points about style, that was one of the first instances I can remember where I actually went, I'm not going to do the norm. I'm going to go and do something slightly different. Yeah. Um, and that kind of won me some work, actually, because people sort of think, oh, I quite like that. That's yeah. really nice. Can we have the ones where it's a bit more, you know, sat at the desk, reportage style type, yeah. type thing? Um, and perhaps they'd come across um, less formal and people just assumed that you just, you know, walked past and snapped that person at their desk sort of thing yeah. and they smiled at you. But of course, it was, you know, 20 minutes work to get, clear the desk off and put the lighting in and all that sort of stuff. Um, well, it always takes a lot of time to make stuff look like it's uh, spontaneous and casual, doesn't it? Yeah, and then that's not to say they were necessarily candid, you know, although I always try to, um, especially you know, back in my stills days, would try and make things as candid as possible. Um, but again, going back to, to what you were saying before about you know, having that rapport with, with someone who you're interviewing or photographing, that is the key. And that is where 
I think a lot of people fall short and that and you can really tell in a photograph especially if you haven't built that rapport with that person and they look a bit dead behind the eyes you know there's, there's a reason there you yeah, haven't yeah. you haven't yeah, done, your, done job. your job um, and I do very much see it as a big part of the job um, to make that person feel relaxed comfortable um, that they want to be there you know that sort of thing do you consider yourself a people person uh, I would yes I would yeah yeah I think Again, if you're doing the line of work that I do, I think you have to be a people's person. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's part of it. I think there's obviously, you know, certain roles within the, the film industry where you can hide behind a camera or a monitor and, and just sort of not really want to talk to anyone. Yeah. Um, but, but then, you know, I think if you're producing or if, if you're, you know, in a role where you do need to interact with other people, you, you need to be a people's person. Yeah, you need sure. to be personable. So I'm going to call you on the fact that... Um, you're a video guy mm. and clearly quite a passionate one, mm. but you don't like films. Not that I don't like films. I'm just not very good with so films. You're more, more of a documentaries guy. Yeah, I love documentaries. Yeah. Um, I, was in, all, I was amazed initially when, I, when we first started working together and I'd, you know, just do the thing that I do with everybody, which is quite annoying with, oh, have you seen that? And you, no, no. I think the thing is with me is, is I love films, don't get me wrong, and I, I go to the cinema regularly and, you know, and, and all of the other stuff, but I just don't have that kind of, oh, that actor was in that film and that film was directed by so-and-so or, you know, all of the, all of the sort of film buffiness about it. I do tend to lean towards the more documentary style. I think I, that's the thing. I, th- I think you're, you're less interested in fiction. You're, you're yeah, more interested I, in... Okay. I think real life is way weirder than, than, sure. than any yeah. fiction yeah. that you could ever that's come really up interesting. with. So I, I was, I, that's kind of what I was getting at when I said you're a people person. Mm. I think you, you strike me as somebody who enjoys... You know, just the way you're talking and and the way and the way we've you know the the, the chats we've had um, today and even before we started recording, you, you strike me as as very personable, and uh, I can imagine you're probably pretty good with people uh, on set. But I wonder if you're more interested in human beings than you are in you know fictional. Yeah, maybe def- maybe your documentary. You know, if, if you if you come from a photography background, I, I wonder if you're more interested in the truths of uh, you know every day than you than you are in the. See, I'm one of these people that's that terrible. We, you know, we go to a factory to go and film, and I'm like, "What's happening here? What What does this do? What do you do? What is you know? I'm I'm I I need to know everything. Curiosity, curiosity, massively curious. Um, we did some shooting at a, um, a factory um, locally not so long ago, and all they made is resistors, little tiny electrical things. I spent hours like questioning all the workers, and they, you know, they were just like, well, "Who is this guy? Why do why do, why, do, yeah, yeah. why do you want to know all these? What things? do you want, mate?" But I just, I think that's one of the one of, one of is the, this necessary for the is film? This, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who is this guy? Um, Sorry, I, mate, he's making a documentary about hedgehogs. Yeah, <laughs> he's the hedgehog guy. He's the whole. Oh right, okay, yeah. Oh, that guy. Indulge we've, you. We've Indulge heard you. about him. Yeah, um, yeah I think it, it's. Um, one of the best things I think about my job is that I get to go to all sorts of different places, meet people, see new things. Um, and I think if you are a naturally curious person, it's, it's a great career to be in. It really sure. is. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, but going back to your original point, yes, I'm more of a documentary person than I am. a. Um, I just find myself watching things like I haven't seen Star Wars. 
but watching films like that... It's astonishing. I know. That is astonishing, isn't it? There's a lot of dipped eyebrows in the room. Um, But watching films... What if we told you it was a documentary from the future? Yeah, Yeah. well, this is... Also, Star Wars, I don't consider Star Wars to be a film so much as a a cultural event. It's a way of life. Oh, God, I've started them off. uh, I've started them off. But films like what I imagine Star Wars to be like, I do find myself kind of (laughs) looking... (laughs) Looking at them and kind of going, that wouldn't happen. that's silly you know I, I, I very much yeah I think my I think truthfully my wife married the wrong man yeah I, ca- I can't switch that part of my brain <coughs> off I do I, I just I, I find myself going no, that just wouldn't happen and I know with cinema what you need to do is just kind of just sit back and go okay just, just let it let it happen <clears throat> but only if cinema only works if you get the suspension disbelief to work and it doesn't work on everybody so there will be people who don't you know there are people who don't like that one. just too skeptical I don't like do the theatre because Ooh. I can't lose myself in it. Or that the sort of artifice. There's people yeah, over there yeah. pretending I'm not here. That's right. And, yeah. and I, I can't lose myself in it. Whereas I can with, with a film. cinema. Yeah. Wow, that's so, interesting. Is it? I wonder. Yeah. So I have a I have a little pet theory that was running past Simon the other day about imposter syndrome. Mm. Uh, so Simon and I have regular chats about imposter syndrome. I don't know if that's something you relate to. Tell, tell me more, and I can. The um, idea that you're a bit of a fraud. That uh, okay. uh, not you. I'm not calling you a fraud. Wow. Andy. Wow. Uh, but but wow. one is a bit of a fraud. I I I, I frequently have this uh, where I feel like I'm. Oh, I'm gonna, someone's going to find me out at some point. Oh, okay, yeah, and, yeah, no, and, no, and no, I know exactly be, what you're talking. That yeah. will be the end. No, of definitely. Me. I've I've learned to accept it more within, let's say, the last two years. I think where I've suddenly settled and gone. Oh, do you know what? I, I felt like before then I was always. Um, teetering on the end like you said of someone almost going hang on a minute you don't know what you're doing hang on a minute you did that on the last job yeah, as well yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, you yeah. only got one trick hang on a minute <laughs> but, um, <laughs> someone might come up behind you goes come on mate yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> tap you on the shoulder and <laughs> just, just gently now. lead you out yeah, the door yeah. right. you had a go but it's yeah, just you really yeah. have fucked it so up right. we've, we've all seen three I just put those boxes on that shelf over there I think, lovely. <laughs> I think um, what changed my mind is I realised um going through life is that is that everyone's kind of blagging it yeah do you know what i mean like it doesn't matter whether you walk into a huge agency or a big production company or someone who just kind of works out their bedroom they're all kind of blagging it um and i've worked with some some pretty big um you know some people who've had very very successful careers and yes they they, you know there's no doubting their experience is fantastic and their knowledge is amazing but there's still definitely times on set where they're kind of scratching their head and then yeah. I get that kind of made me realize that you know what if, if, if that guy who's you know worked with David Attenborough is scratching his head at this quite simple problem then yeah. then maybe I'm not too bad you know yeah, I mean? maybe sure. this maybe I can kind of do this I don't um, know if it's a thing that is I, I, I don't know we'll, we'll find out as we speak to more of them I don't know if this is a thing that is uh, exclusive to creatives or if it's that that it's just everybody is this is it just a human thing is it like procrastination I don't I don't know because you, you take for example accountancy you kind of need to know what you're doing yeah and you, and you have to really do exams and stuff that's, I think that's one of the things about the creative uh, disciplines is that there, there aren't necessarily, I mean, you can get, obviously you can get degrees and you can get qualified in all sorts of different things, but quite often you get to do it without having any bit of paper that says you can do that. Well, we were having the same discussion the other day, weren't we? How, you know, you, you, can, you can give your CV in as a filmmaker and say, well, I've done this, this and this, or, you know, I've got these qualifications rather. But actually, really, your CV, is a, a, particularly as a filmmaker, is your, is your portfolio, your showreel. Your, you know, these are films I've made. This, this proves that I can do the job. Yeah. Do you want to hire me or not? But actually, it's, you know, again, diving deeper into that example, it's more um, 
the, the sort of filmmaking world is a bit more closed. It tends to be if you work with that person, you'll recommend that you continue to work with them. The, hiring a complete random is is generally reserved for the oh my god, our contact list are, hell are, we gonna are, do? are all busy. Yeah. We need to like find someone quickly. Google. So it's very much who you know, very much who, what, who you know, and and not always what you know. Andy, have you ever had an idea? Um, and you've seen it really clearly in your head straight away. I know how this is going to be. And then, have you ever seen that through and thought, "Yes, this is exactly the way I hoped it would be"? Oh, good question. Um, no, I would say not. Not. Not in terms of like a whole piece, you know, a whole film. No, but but certain shots that you it, it it's like a premonition where you're like, oh, "Okay, I, I've really got this shot in my head of X, Y, Z," and you try really hard to get it. And then when it when it pays off, you kind of get this real buzz. Yeah. But that's just a single shot or, yeah. or, or a, a sequence maybe even. Um, but no, have I ever had a, a full film where it's, you know, it's almost exactly in my head from start to finish? No, I don't, I don't think I've ever had that scenario. What about a photograph? Photograph, yes, yeah. A single frame where, right, I'm going out to shoot that one particular thing and it happens and then you're like, wow, that's amazing. I mean, that is one of the best feelings, I think, as a, as a photographer slash filmmaker. You, if, if you have a clear vision of something and you get that thing, it's amazing. Very rarely will someone say to you, just do your thing, crack on, and we'll, we'll see if we like it. There's certain, um, certain clients that are a bit more just let you go with it sort of thing as a, as a, as a kind of documentary thing that we made recently for uh, an agency in Bournemouth, um, which was pretty much... they they kind of gave me the rough outline of what they wanted and what they wanted to achieve, what they wanted to say. Um, and they just said, just crack on and do your mm. thing. And it was amazing. It was, it was probably one of the, the sort of nicest um, client reviews that I've had in the last, certainly the last year, where I put the film on and the client was kind of sat next to me and I kept sort of glancing out the side of my eye. Like, are, are they liking it? Are they not? They weren't making any noises. They weren't really moving much. And I thought, oh, I don't know, maybe it's not what they wanted. And the film finished and they were like actually sort of slightly welling up and they were like, it's exactly what I had in Amazing. my head. Wow, that's great. And, it, and, it, and I was just I mean, cloud nine for a couple yeah, of days after that. You know, they, they were so pleased, yeah. so pleased with it's it. It's special, isn't it? And they, and they said to me, you know, I just can't believe that we gave you such a vague brief and you've just gone away and, and created exactly what we wanted. Yeah, wonderful. That and is so fantastic. That is, that is an instance where you've made something that's in someone else's head and made it a reality. Um maybe luck or judgment I don't know but so this, but, is, this you know. segues very neatly into another little question I have, which is about presenting do you, do you like that part of it of sharing the work or, or I love that part of it it's a you? part that you don't get to yes perhaps it's the ego but you know it's a part that you don't get to do very often now um, it's more a link in an email what do you think of this and you don't get to see the reaction mm. um, and very very rarely you'll get someone come back and say yeah we love it it's great and that's not because we make rubbish films. It's it's more because people don't have the time to, to make niceties. They'll just come back with the amends. And it's very sort of quite a, especially in the corporate world, quite a formal process. It's very much a sort of, okay, cool. Yeah, change this and this, and then we'll be happy sort of thing. Or, or you know, we'll sign it off. They don't even use the word happy sometimes. And so we had, Simon and I had an instance recently when we, we called the client and she said something like, I'm so happy I could cry. Yes. And, and, and there's those little moments that you have yeah. to that take even, on board. That was an email, in fact, wasn't it? It was an email. Sorry, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, it was even, an email. Well, I feel like I've to got to join in here and, uh, and uh, you know, you guys are clearly amazing. I just want to say that I'm amazing too. <laughs> <laughs> so overnight, I had an email from a client. I sent them an illustration and I just got this email back from this morning. 
and it said, Neil, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah, oh, great. Yeah. It's those, I, it. it's, it's, I was like, yes. It's those moments, isn't it, that you've got to hold on to and embrace. And, and, and for the other 10 emails where you get very yeah. little back. Or you, complete you, indifference, which is awful. Isn't it? Yeah, complete indifference. And then a bit, but well, it, it's well, no sets, answer. I know that really annoys No answer you, annoys it? me a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just, I think it's that because you sort of, because it's all email generally these days, you sort of sit there wondering, well, do they like it or do they not? Or like, you know, yeah. what, what's the. Um, you want to see into their eyes, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I had another client about 18 months ago who, who sent me a video. So, so I'd sent the film. I, I, I sort of got an email back to say, yeah, we've received it, we'll review. And then about three or four days later, a, a member of the team actually sent me a video where they were sort of panning around the room and they'd actually shown the film to the agency and all the staff was, you know, a big round of applause and all this stuff. And it was like, wow. You I, I assumed from that situation that they were just, yeah, all right, happy. Yeah, incre- yeah And it was, a, it was a member of the team that sort of reached out and said, no, 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 look, look, like we've all watched it and we all love it. And, and so people underestimate, just, um, don't they? Just shows, doesn't how, it? how much you, as a, as, as a creative person, and what you, you need know, that validation. You need, you yeah, need you it. Do, you you do. need to know. It's that, also just rude, isn't it? That's just manners. <laughs> I agree, yeah. Let's well, yeah, sort of. Um, natural thing isn't it? That you, it going back to what we were saying about sending sending the you know the email and not receive you know you might receive some text on a screen but that's nowhere near as good as seeing the other person at the other yeah. end of the table light up and go wow you well, know you learn so much more visually than you do through reading a, a well, certainly for me reading an email certainly and i love your i love your story about looking over at your client and seeing tears yeah. i mean that is uh, you know so you're quite high... tears but there was definitely yeah he, uh, it was, there was well, some emotion right. wellage. Well, seeing, <laughs> seeing, wellage seeing slight wellage <laughs> A quivering but, lip. But seeing some, you know, that must be wonderful. And that is something, that is brilliant. Fantastic. That is something I, I never get because all of my clients are... You know, it's all remote. On, on well, that's, that's, end of an email. So I used to shoot a lot of weddings and that was, that was something that I, I don't shoot anywhere near as, as many now. I sort of do it for friends and family. But the, the, the reveal of a wedding is amazing. You know, mm. you, get, you, you, get, you get actual tears when, you, when you're presenting a wedding film. Yeah. And you just don't, you know, when I segued then onto sort of the more corporate world, you just didn't get that. And I was a bit like, well, is someone not going to shed a tear? What's going on here? You know? yeah. I need to feel <laughs> I've the made love. a lovely film. Yeah. Someone break down in tears, please. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't involve some of the best day of my life. <laughs> it's just another day in the office. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's just another day in the office. That's the, that's the thing. But um, yeah, I think, I think as creators, we do shave a little bit off of ourselves and put it out with everything we that, we that we give out and i think you do feel a bit vulnerable there's definitely a sort of nail biting moment when you hit that send button definitely. i think anyone who is really serious about what they do and is passionate about what they do that's a normal feeling to have i yeah, think i'm inclined to agree well the other day when we were over at yours and i bought some um some dark chocolate hobnobs. Ooh, which yeah. I, I'm not sure about the dark chocolate one. Well, I, go, I go milk, I think. I consider the dark chocolate hobnob to be the ultimate biscuit. Mm. But, uh, well, Andy made that noise about it yeah, then. He I said, know, oh, I'd be yeah. much happier with some malted milks or something. Yeah, yeah malted milks malted is a milk. good, good... With good. chocolate on top? Well, they do do the Just chocolate straight. version. But I would go with the straight version. Jesus. Are you that? dipping that? Yeah, 100%. What are you I, dipping it in? I personally judge all of my biscuits on the dipping ability. Okay. Um, malted milks are well, a single very quick dip, but are you going to lose that in the? In the you're going to lose it if if you're distracted. Oh, you bought malted milk. Did you buy those especially for me? Yeah, I bought some malted milk especially for Andy. Well, saturated fats five percent. Yeah. So per biscuit, five percent of your daily allowance of saturated fats. So that means you can have twenty. 
So that means... <laughs> <laughs> and nothing else for the rest of the day. If you, mm. if you come from another planet and you had to describe the malted milk... I would describe it as um, if you were to take the, the filling out of a, a custard cream and you yeah. would then therefore just be left with the two sides, the, the oh. bread in the sandwich, as it were. Yeah, the rubbish bit. The rubbish bit, exactly. Mm. But then ham it up with some, some malted goodness. So it's like a Horlicks in a biscuit. Horlicks in a biscuit, that's good. That's what I should have gone with. That, yeah. Horlicks in a biscuit. It's an adver- advertising man. With so a I'm stamped like, cow on it. Bad. I mean, come on. What's that's weird, isn't it? Because they're, they're, they're cow- They all come with cows on them as well. I these feel are co-op malted milks, and they've got that stamped cow thing, which is it's obviously a thing. Mm. You can't have a malted milk unless it's got a stamped embossed cow. I believe it's illegal. Is it? Really? Mm. You, can get, you can get into some serious trouble. Serious trouble. Yeah. I think it's treason. I'm not... I mean, mm. someone will have to confirm... But I'm my pretty feeling, sure you have your head cut. Death penalty still. Mm. Yeah. Mm. My my feeling is this is like um, a malted milk, milk might be something. I don't know. It feels like army rations to me. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, sorry, mate. Wow. This is my favorite biscuit. He's super really? judgy about One malted milk. Yeah, he is a bit, isn't he? Well, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid I'm dishing it out, aren't I? Yeah. Being a bit, being a bit heavy, but you have to dip though. I might I feel not like even that's... finish mine. Wow. That's you have amazing. to. I uh, just just to caveat this, you do have to dip. In tea, and it's the, the um, yeah, that that then brings it to life. Okay, it's a dipper, all right, mate. You've been great, yeah. I was just th- gonna say thank right. you so much, man. It's been fantastic. I bought you a little Christmas present. Ah, oh, that is very good yeah, of you. Thank you, you. Got to very much. Oh, uh, yeah, you got to work on that. It's a book. It's a book. Is it filmmaking for dummies? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can do with that. <laughs> oh, wow, thank you very much. A little book on uh, creativity across the, ah. across the various fields. It's very sweet. Thank you very much. Uh, you. I've got you a little gift as well. This Funny. is a lot more silly. It's a lot of gifts. This is a lot more silly. This is not really for you so much. It is, <laughs> is for Joey. Oh, okay. It's a uh, USB light-up collar. one of them? Yeah, it's a oh, little light-up collar for when you work. work, mate. You're running along work. the beach in the dark with the dog. No, it's a good shout, actually. Oh, hello. You, you cut it to size, oh, man. Don't worry. It's, <laughs> You'll get two or three of them in there. Mate, you're a legend. Thank you so much, guys. No, thank you, mate. It's been really good. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Cheers, Thanks, for, uh, thanks so much. Okay, so that was Andy Potter. We are um, outside the Salisbury Museum now. Simon, can you just move the umbrella over a little bit? Sorry, man. It's a really horrible day. Filthy, isn't it? It's smashing down with rain. Stunning view, though. We've got... Beautiful, the old cathedral over there. We've got Salisbury Cathedral right... We're just walking towards it now. Glorious. It's good in any weather, let's yeah, be honest. It's good in any It's a good building. Got any facts about the cathedral, Simon? Um, highest medieval structure in Europe. Oh, superb. I think it's 440 feet. Stop it. That spire? Very, very. I didn't nice. even look that up. It's so good. It's the kind of brain I've got. So anyway, that was Andy. Um, he was fun, wasn't he? What a lovely guy. Yeah, really enjoyed chatting to Andy. I'd never met him before, um, or his little puppy Joey, but uh, he was he was great. Really confident, really articulate clearly very passionate about what he's doing and blimey does he know his technological business he loves his kit yeah he, he's surely, a kit man. he surely does yeah uh, and i loved his i loved his curiosity yeah i think we'll, we'll probably find that that's a uh, that's a constant yeah for i think a few you're right people. i think you're right shall we um shall we talk to somebody else next week and, and find out well i'd like to do that very much let's do that okay see ya see ya We're really grateful to Andy Potter for his time and energy and insights. If you're on a wicked little film made, you can find Andy's company at groundupproductions.co.uk. You'll find him on social media at groundupproductionsuk.com.